Welcome to Radio 1190, 1190 AM, 98.9 FM here in Boulder. And I'm very excited. Um, fortunately, he was willing to um, reschedule after a mistake on our end. And now we're here today to talk to Rob Paulson. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Not at all. You know, thanks so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite thrilled. I'm actually on my way to the airport heading to the show for tomorrow in uh, Fort Collins and happy to be doing so um although everyone here in la is freaked out because it's 40 degrees and um i think it's probably going to be a bit cooler where y'all are yeah it's um we reached yeah. right now um we're at zero so um oh, it, it's okay. a big so it's significant okay <laughs> yeah it's a big accomplishment yeah. for us to to get above the for uh the zero I, and and yeah. it'll be above freezing yeah, tomorrow for you well, we're lightweights out here, man. If it's 40 degrees, everybody's warming up their cars. Yeah. And I grew up in Michigan, but I've been out here a long time. So uh, anyway, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, and so um, and um, we'll remind the audience, but um, the event, uh, Animaniacs in Concert, is at 730 tomorrow at Lincoln Center up in Fort Collins. Um, Correct. And so how, um, let's work our way backwards a little bit. How did you come up with the concept for Animaniacs in Concert? We know that music was a huge part of that show. Um, and, I mean, a lot of the songs still um, still remain in a lot of people's memory and obviously lives on in YouTube and, and other outlets like that. But how did you come up with the idea um, for to do the show like this? Well, it was... Uh, a, a like most wonderfully successful things, it was a complete labor of love. Uh, I've been working on my own podcast for a couple of years um, just because I could, and it was great fun. And then we started doing the podcast live at comedy clubs here in L.A. And um, uh, often I'm asked at any live appearance to sing the Yakko's World with all the countries, you know, United States, Canada, Mexico. It's a remarkable little piece of animation. And, um, and I do. I love doing it to people get a kick out of it and I of course do it a cappella. but uh, one day I thought you know um, Randy Rogel who wrote that and most of the songs that people recall from Animaniacs uh, and I are very good friends and I said hey Rand why don't we just do uh, an evening of Animaniacs music you mean a piano at the John Lovitz Comedy Club or the Improv or wherever and we did and it turned out to be not only an incredible amount of fun uh, but quite successful and uh, I think because I'm not recognizable walking down the street that I didn't realize the extent to which these characters, uh, Yakko and Pinky in particular, have become really popular with uh, at least two generations of folks, even though we'd not done a new episode for 20-plus years. So the response was kind of overwhelming. And, and uh, cut to a year or two of doing this, and Warner Brothers was very kind to give Randy and me a... Uh, a wonderful licensing deal and uh it allows us to take the music of animaniacs around the country as we're doing tomorrow night at uh, the lincoln center in fort collins and play it again with either randy and me in a piano um in a club setting or tomorrow night it'll be with an 80-piece orchestra for a thousand uh, of our closest friends uh, plus probably and uh I, I, everybody just walks away exhausted from laughing and singing and having a ball and the cool thing is that randy and i are not a tribute band so to speak we're the guys who wrote it and performed it and now we're doing it again and um it is just an incredible experience um the really exceptional thing about tomorrow is that we'll have maurice lamarche my friend the brain <laughs> and uh 
Jess, Jess Harnell, who's my brother, Wacko. And we'll all be there tomorrow night uh, performing songs from the show. And Randy has written a couple of pieces specifically for uh, Pinky and the Brain that no one's ever heard. And uh, so off we go. And it's just uh, a labor of love has turned into a, a, a wonderfully exciting, happy, joyful enterprise that makes both sides of the equation far too happy. It's wonderful. And... Um you talked about this a little bit, but I had the pleasure of seeing you and some of the other cast members at Denver Comic-Con a couple oh, of years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is what does it mean to you, the fact that people hold, and, and I mean, this I'm sure doesn't just go for Animaniacs, but shows like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, mm -hmm. Jimmy Neutron, Tiny Toon Adventures, um, admittedly I'm naming some of my favorites, but um, what yeah. does it mean that people hold these characters and these shows so close to their heart, even, as you said, a couple decades after they originally ran? Now, it's it, it's just by what you said is kind of a, a miraculous thing when you think about it. Um, I, I, and, and yet, at the same time, I'm still a big fan of Looney Tunes and Rocky and Bullwinkle and Flintstones and Johnny Quest, shows that I grew up watching with my parents and my siblings and the, the shows that I often enjoy the most, some of them are 50 years old or older, 60. And they are timeless. And I submit that Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs and certainly Ninja Turtles, uh, to some extent Jimmy Neutron, other shows, uh, The Tick, The Mask, shows I've gotten to work on, uh, not all of them are timeless, but a couple of them are. and. It is a profoundly gratifying circumstance to see how deeply affected people are in, in wonderful ways by these characters. And as I said, you know, I'm not a celebrity, and the, the, um, uh, the, the, the characters are famous. I'm not, and I utterly, utterly get the difference, and I'm fine with it. I, uh, my ego can totally take a punch in that respect. I don't draw them. I don't write them. I'm just the actor and, ju and the singer, but people do connect with the voice uh, and, and as do I. So it is uh, pretty overwhelming to, to meet these people. And the overwhelming majority of folks say, oh my God, you're the voice of my childhood. And that alone is a profound compliment. And I ask, well, did you end up in prison? Because if, <laughs> if I ended up, you know, if you ended up in prison, then we got a problem. But by and large, they're all very excited about it. Then you meet people who will say things like, uh, you know, uh, Rob, you have no idea, uh, but for Ninja Turtles, uh, my childhood would have been a mess. And now I'm fine and I'm, you know, grown and I have kids of my own and I share it with them. But, uh, you know, maybe my parents went through an acrimonious divorce and the only thing that got my brother and me through it were turtles. I, I never, never, never would have known that had it not been for these wonderful opportunities to meet people. So it's a pretty incalculable gift that we uh, are, are given by folks who hold these characters so dear to them. And, and it is, uh, it's a big deal, man. And, I mean, even kind of bringing it personally to me, part of the reason, and I, I teach um, here at the University of Colorado, and part of the reason I have oh, the career is I'm in, I was inspired by those same characters. And fortunately, um, as someone who doesn't have much artistic ability, I kind of turned that, and I just I love talking about it, and I found a way to really make a career out of talking about 
television, but specifically television animation. And so um, I'm, I'm right with those people that being, being inspired by, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, it's same thing that, um, and, 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 and I mean, other, other shows, um, GI Joe as well, um, that oh these my God. shows, that was the first show I ever did. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. Um, yeah. that kind of going back um but but yeah i mean uh, i'm right there with with them in terms of the inspiration these shows um and then it helps kind of versus some live action open up our imaginations in terms of what we can do as as people and and as um as, uh, uh, and being inspired by these shows and kind of actually since i brought up gi joe can you talk a little bit how you got into voice acting um, I'm sorry, say again, I, I lost you for just a second. Uh, oh, no problem. Um, so can you talk a little bit how you got into voice acting? Yes. Um, I, uh, well, I came out to L.A., get this, 40, that is four zero years ago, um, uh, ostensibly to do live action, and, uh, and I was. I was um, doing, uh, uh, you know, episodic television, movies, a lot of commercials, but one thing you find pretty quickly is that there are a million average-looking kids from Michigan and other uh, parts all around the world who end up in Hollywood to do the exact same thing. Uh, and while I was certainly doing okay and got my SAG card and working pretty steadily, um, I uh, uh, had the opportunity ultimately in the mid-'80s to start auditioning for animation, which is not the sole reason I came out, but, man, I just wanted to work. I was a singer who had become an actor and done a lot of theater, traveled around doing itinerant theater. Uh, but the first thing I realized when I started doing animation was, man, the coolest thing about this gig is nobody gives a damn what I look like. Yeah. I was in this room with profoundly talented people. In fact, I had one of them on my podcast the other day, Michael Bellon, who was uh, Duke on G.I. Joe. And uh, that was the first show I wa worked on. I walked in, there was Michael Bell and Peter Cullen and uh, Frank Welter and, and uh, Chris Lotta and all these, B.J. Ward, wonderful, wonderful actors none of whom were celebrities, but they just worked a lot. And I was really impressed and, and, and really thrilled at their utter fearlessness to do whatever the director said uh, because they were not limited by their visage. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was not at all about the way they looked, how tall they were, how big their muscles were, they had what kind of hair, no hair, lots of hair, whatever. And I thought, man, this is the gig. Uh, I'm not limited by being a five foot ten, hundred and sixty-five pound Caucasian kid from Flint. I'm I'm whatever, as you said earlier, whatever my imagination allows us allows me to be, and that is precisely what got me into performing in the first place. Not how I looked; it was about pretend, and uh, how lovely that a an adult, quote unquote, can get paid American dollars to pretend with world-class actors and then you get your own action figure i mean shut the front door that's that's a pretty cool gig yeah so uh uh it didn't take long before i was kind of really going down that road and then it was my wife who ultimately said hey no offense but you seem to have a face for animation <laughs> um you know you, i don't find you too difficult to look at in general but uh you're getting a lot of work in this area do you think your ego can handle the fact that you may have a career in which no one will recognize you and i thought you know what i i if i'm if i'm being intellectually honest then yeah because i'm about the performance i'm about work i'm about being creative i'm not about fame uh do i like it when people recognize me of course it's it, it, i'd be lying if i said i didn't but what drove me 
to work was not about being fame. It was about being creative. And so I'm really glad that I was able to make that decision. And, and I have to say, as a result of nice people like you, and having done this now for 35 years, uh, and YouTube and social media and the instantaneous nature of those, uh, those platforms, uh, I get recognized actually quite a bit now. And it is always just fun. It just makes people happy. And I, I cannot, I could not ask for a better, a better way to sort of finish things out, you know? And, um, and go going forward in your career, um, when, um, you took the role of, um, Raphael in the original 1987 version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, could you, could you tell that show and that kind of franchise was going to take off the way it did in, in American pop culture? No, and, and not, nor did Kevin and Peter, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. I don't know Peter at all, but I know Kevin very well. We're very good friends. And we've had that conversation, as you can imagine, more than several times, because I was Raphael, as you mentioned, on the original show, and then Donatello 25 years later. I got to be Donatello on the Nickelodeon, uh, the first Nickelodeon iteration, and now I'm directing Rise of the Ninja Turtles. So Kevin and I have had this conversation at you know <laughs> various 10-year intervals, and um, nobody had any idea. Uh, we certainly had an idea that it was great fun in the studio. All the actors, Cam Clark, Townsend, Coleman, Barry Gordon, and A. Jacobs, uh, Pete Renaday, uh, uh, Pat Fraley, uh, just all really um, wonderful actors. And we could have a ball. We'd be done fairly quickly within a couple of hours with a script, but we'd stay an extra an hour and a half because we were laughing so hard. <laughs> And uh, so we knew we were onto something in terms of tapping into our creative ability. But my God, I, to have something that's been responsible for so much joy. And, you know, look, I'm a capitalist. It's created about five <laughs> billion dollars worth of merchandising. That's that's a pretty cool thing. And and still in all, uh, the, the bottom bottom line is not about money. It's not about action figures. It's not about it. It's the, the general takeaway is just oh my God, this was such a big part of my childhood. Now it's my children's childhood and sometimes my grandchildren's childhood. And uh, again, it's just a, an, an amazing gift to, uh, to have. And um, you mentioned that um, you are uh, directing in uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How is that different? I mean, obviously it's different, but how is that interaction different, uh, um, kind of taking that role of overseeing the other voice actors and overseeing their work? How, how, how is that different than, than obviously um, do, um, kind of being behind the mic yourself? Yeah, just being, right, just because that, yeah, well, it's a great, a quick, great question. I've been a hired gun for the last 30 plus years, and uh, when Gene Vasilaris, the head of casting at Nickelodeon, said, hey, listen, man, I don't know if you know this, but Tom Kenny is directing SpongeBob. Tom is the voice of SpongeBob, yeah. and he's been directing SpongeBob for a couple of years. It's working out really well. We don't know of anybody in Hollywood who has a better grasp on the TMNT franchise. How do you feel about directing it? And I said, God, I jumped at it. It's a wonderful opportunity, and I am utterly egoless in the pursuit. I have, uh, I told him right at the beginning, look, man, I know what I'm good at, and I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. So if you guys, the producers, or anybody involved in this new version of the show has any issues with my directing, then let me know after half a dozen episodes in, and we'll shake hands and, 
and uh, remain friends, and I'll move on because I don't want you to feel like you can't say, hey, man, this is, is not your bailiwick. And so far they haven't, and either I'm fooling them or they like what they've seen so far and um, or heard, whatever. But it's a really wonderful opportunity. The actors are terrific. They're all primarily on-camera folks who have sh now shifted into voice work just like I did, and uh, they love it. They all grew up watching Ninja Turtles, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, The Tick, Biker Mice, whatever it is, and it's been a real joy for me because... Uh, the first couple of episodes, it was kind of cool. Uh, ben Schwartz, who plays Leo, I remember we were, you know, all working, having a great time, and there happened to be a break in in uh, the work, and Ben kind of got on his phone and Googled me, and uh, he took a moment and said, holy, and then you fill in the, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you fill in the, uh, um, uh, whatever uh, the word I'm expletive, I can't, yeah, <laughs> yeah, expletive, correct, expletive. And he said, "Do you know who this guy is?" Meaning me, to the other actors, and uh, they were, you know, they're lovely. They, uh, but again, they don't recognize me, and I don't walk around saying, "Hi, I'm Rob, and I've done this." Um, but it was kind of cute because they just said, "This guy's Pinky. This guy's Yakko. This guy's Raphael. This guy's Donatello. This guy's Carl Weezer." <laughs> and so everybody found some character that they just loved, and it made them giddy. And uh, that was a huge thrill for me um, to, to be able to see how, how wonderfully happy these kids were, uh, you know, for doing this, uh, to, to do this with me. And then I have to say, it created a certain amount of credibility with them, and they were very deferential. And so I would say, look, um, I don't want to give you a line reading. No, 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 dude, you tell me how you want me to say it. And I was, okay, well, here's how I would do it. Oh, no, 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 that's how you would do it. And, of course, you know, they're wonderful actors, and they do it on their own. And the truth is that I'm basically a traffic cop. I say a little faster, a little slower. Uh, you know, the producers want this, the producers want that. My job is, is really easy. It's just a, uh, a, a joy to watch all these wonderful actors sort of go down the same road I did. And they kind of go, wow, this is a great other way for me to make a living. And... Now I get my own action figure, and I'm part of the Turtle Verse, and and I, you know we get a lot of celebrities that come in. John Cena has been on the show, and Lena Headey from uh, uh, um, Game of Thrones, and uh, got all these wonderful actors. Johnny Rotten, who I grew up, you know, a big fan of the Sex Pistols, and yeah. John Lydon and the Sex Pistols, all kinds of wonderful celebrities, and all they get a, t a chance to talk about is how excited they are to be part of the whole Turtle Verse. Uh, in fact, in the version that I did for five years, in which I was Donatello, we had a 13-story arc that David Tennant uh, came in and played um, um, this kind of robotic, uh, intergalactic robot. And he was so thrilled to be part of Ninja Turtles. And it's David Tennant. I'm a huge fan of David's. So uh, it is a mutual admiration turtle society, of which I'm quite proud to be a part and um and it's i mean it, it is it's also and, and this also goes for um the experience of seeing you at comic-con um it is really remarkable um the chemistry that you seem to have with your other actors that are working on the oh, show thanks, and it seems to really um um it's not just on animaniacs it seems like that's that's an experience you've had on on a number of different shows oh Absolutely. And I think you as a professional totally get it. If you teach theater, you understand uh, that, look, nobody, nobody shoved a gun and, at you and said, you got to be an actor. 
nobody said, hey, man, you better, t- you better go teach acting. In fact, often it's quite the contrary. You know, you, you have families, members who love you and say, oh, my God, you're not going to be an actor. Are you? You're not going to be an actor. What you, uh, so already people who do what you and I do uh, have made a courageous choice in our lives because we're doing it often against the better wishes of the people who love us. Um, so if, if you've already found something about which you're passionate enough to sort of jump into the pool and, and know that money may or may not be part of the equation and you just can't not do it, you've already done something relatively courageous. And then you find your tribe, whether it's in L.A. or, or uh, Boulder or New York or Miami, you find people of a like mind to want to create and and uh, and experience that feeling of uh, of what you give to an audience, um, and they give back to you. And I submit it has nothing to do with money at the beginning. It certainly does in the practical world because you got to eat, but it's not what got me here, and it is not what keeps me here. Uh, what keeps me here are exactly as you said the people with whom I get to work. And they are, and it's not hyperbole, they're world-class talent. Man, if you're talking about Billy West, Maurice LaMarche, Frank Welker, uh, Tress McNeil, Jennifer Hale, Tara Strong, John DiMaggio, on and on and on and on and on. Are you kidding me? It, it, you know, if people want to stop and freeze this while they're listening and IMDb those people, it'll blow your mind what those folks have done. And every single one of them have uh, iconic roles that have brought joy to tens of millions of people and continue to do so uh so um it is uh it is uh, not um confined to one particular show it is it's a joyful experience and i again i think it's because there's no ego involved we have egos with respect to our you know we want to do the best job and and we have a friendly um, um, competition to one-up each other and that's why the sessions are such a gas but because purely because it is not about how we look, that doesn't, you know, that's left at the door. When a celebrity walks in the door and there happen to be an incredibly beautiful female movie star or a really handsome male, you know, rock star, singer, whatever, that doesn't, that has no bearing on the quality of the, of the project, none. And uh, so I think that's why you get people who are driven by, create, you know, pure creativity, not ego. And uh, and the proof is in the pudding, man. It's just a pretty cool way to make a living. And um, before we get, um, I do want to talk about Animaniacs a little bit, but um, one of the things that our audience um, and other people that follow your career might not know, uh, the amount of commercials you've done, um, hundreds, maybe even a thousand or more, um, is that yeah. process any different? Um, and and I was talking actually to my sister before going on, and she didn't realize um, you were involved with the Got Milk campaign. And one of her <laughs> favorite commercials of all time is that Alexander Hamilton one. Yeah. And so um, she, I like, she'll still she'll see it on YouTube or whatever, and still laugh at it. Um, is that process? How is that process different than um, doing voice um, for? a show um or an animated um film well it's obviously much quicker uh because you're talking about a 60 or a 30 or a combination of you know they're in um spot so you're not really involved as long um uh, but 
the um the, certainly the technically it's the same you just get in front of your mic and you do your thing um and usually the commercials in which i've been involved are being more of an announcer as uh, as opposed to an actor yeah. uh the the situation with that spot was um but for those of you who are, may not be aware uh what we're talking about is um the, the first got milk spot was um this really clever spot directed by michael bay all right uh, uh, yeah. how about that directed yeah. by michael bay and um it was uh, uh this wonderful actor I, I can't remember sean's last name um but you recognize him he's done so much so much on camera stuff great character actor in which i play a radio announcer saying uh, you know a late night radio announcer saying now for ten thousand dollars we have a call in who shot a alexander hamilton in that famous duel and sean uh, is uh, sitting there eating uh, he's a night watchman at a uh, a museum and he happens to have the the bullet that uh, uh, uh that uh, um, aaron burr fired you know which killed alexander hamilton blah 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 and he's eating a peanut butter sandwich he runs out of milk and uh he calls and i pick up and i say who shot blah blah he says aaron burr and of course he can't say aaron burr because his mouth is full of peanut butter and um it was a very clever campaign it's an excellent spot um i certainly had no idea uh, i had a general idea via a storyboard of what the visuals were going to be but i had certainly didn't see it at first um and I'm real proud of it. And so, yeah, you never know, man. You just never know. So that's another reason uh, to never say no, because you never know. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that that was one of the seminal commercials of, of that decade. And um, so, yeah, that there you go. And um, was was the actor Sean Whalen? Sean that... Whalen, thank you. Yes, that okay, is Sean yeah, Whalen. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I think he's on Superstore up, now or was he, he recently. Is. He is on Superstore. Yeah. I think he plays one of the managers or something. Yeah, that's right, but, yeah. Yeah, you, you uh, RMBB Sean Whalen, W-H-A-L-E-N, and uh, you'll see he's a very prolific actor. Yeah. And it was the kind of the relative start of both of our careers on, on this, you know, our respective side of the cameras. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing, and I would say, I, I, matter of fact, I've seen Sean since then and you know introduced myself and we kind of have this like oh my god and embrace <laughs> and who knew and, and uh, he said i get asked all the time are you the guy in the got milk commercial and i said well i don't get that but once people find out they they freak so it's pretty neat and um and so um to move back to um any maniacs or maybe a little earlier um because um you played um foul mouth and a few other characters on tiny tune adventures correct oh yeah and so Same group, yeah, Tom Ruger and Steven Spielberg and yeah. yeah, great great fun. So how did you get involved with um Warner in general? I assume that kind of connection is part of the reason why you're able to connect with Animaniacs, but you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um but how did you get involved with, with Warner in general and then and then ultimately Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain? Well your your theory is correct. Uh, I was friends with the people who ended up doing Animaniacs, but I was hired to do Tiny Toons first. I was I was not one of the leads. I probably did I don't know forty or fifty of them. Uh, it was a typical audition, like everything else. One thing leads to another. They go, hey, this guy's okay, and he can sing. And goes uh, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And the fact is that I prepared and was ready to rock and roll when the high heat came over the plate. And so you never, never 
take for granted an opportunity to show what you can do. Uh, that doesn't mean you step on other actors. It means when it's your time, you're ready. And I was. Um, and not only that, but all the people who were producing Tiny Toons were at the, 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 the sort of right at the beginning of the prime of their career. So my timing was excellent. And uh, the kindness of the people who gave me the shot um, continued for quite a while. Um, so once the folks at Warner Brothers got to know me, I, it led from Tiny Toons, uh, and I had been doing the Disney Afternoon stuff at the same time. Um, Gummy Bears, Goof Troop, uh, Darkwing Duck, Rescue Rangers, all that stuff. Uh, having a ball. And, you know, it's a small town, and some people may have worked at Disney, and either at Warner Brothers, hey, this guy Rob was, you know, pretty fun. He didn't smell too bad when he came to work. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't eat too many bagels. Give him a shot. Then I did uh, uh, Tasmania for Warner Brothers with a different yeah. crew, but um, the same crew who did Tiny Toons did Animaniacs, and they said, "Hey, Rob, uh, we'd like you to read for a couple of the main characters." And fortunately, they uh, they ended up kind enough to say, "Let's give him a shot." And the rest is, as they say, history. And and uh, it's man, if, if Ninja Turtles changed my career, and Animaniacs pretty much changed my life. Uh, it, it is not hyperbole to suggest that that turned out to be an iconic show, which really changed uh, the trajectory of, of my life. And um, for those who are joining us at the top of the hour, um, I'm talking to Rob Paulson, voice actor here on Radio 1190, 1190 AM, 98.9 FM, K255 DA in Boulder. And so um, as we um, continue to go through your career a little bit, um, you did, um, you had um, a pretty significant health scare recently. Um, and, yeah. and I mean, that's putting it very lightly. Um, can you, um, and especially since um, there wasn't just obviously the, the um, risk of, um, or the, the um, health issue itself, but even kind of beating it, there is a, a concern of, um, it affecting your career moving forward. Sure. Um, what does it mean to you now that kind of um, being through all of that and getting back to um, your career and, and working with, now, um, uh, honestly, um, with continuing to be um, connected with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise and doing Animaniacs in concert, mm -hmm. what does it mean to you to be able to continue to do this type of work that means so much to people? Well, thank you so much for that uh, wonderful uh, sort of prelude to, to this story. But uh, the, the, the practical answer is I'm still able to make a living, which is wonderful. For the, uh, what, what, what you're referring to is um, uh, three years ago this month, in fact, almost to the day, I was diagnosed with stage 3 throat cancer. And uh, not a smoker, um, athlete, played hockey my whole life, um, golf nut. I always walk, carry my bag, work out, blah, blah, blah just my time in the cage as they say you know what happens and um uh i was told pretty much right away look here's the deal um we're pretty sure we can save you save your life not not so sure about your voice or certainly not so sure about your voice at the level that you're used to using it um and before we save you we almost have to kill you and that's literally what they said and and, I, and because uh, the truth is I'd asked for the straight dope. Look, I wasn't 30 years old with a couple of kids. I was 
already 59 years old and my son has grown and married and my wife has plenty of health insurance through me and all of that stuff and honestly even if they'd said look here's the deal you better go home and get your stuff together because you're fixing to punch your ticket we'll make you comfortable but but uh you're done um i had a marvelous career zero about which to feel bad i didn't want sympathy i didn't need it um and uh after for, um, seven weeks of radiation and chemotherapy uh, no surgery if I had let it go a little longer then we would have had to start talking about hacking up my face a little bit and that's where it starts to get messy um, but all I had to do was go through the, the chemo and the radiation which was the toughest physical thing I've ever been through in my life but it ain't nothing different than what millions of people are facing and much much worse and often God forbid with their children so uh, in the grand scheme of things I had nothing to be sorry about i had everything to live for and i had great doctors and wonderful health insurance so i uh, i'm a very very fortunate fellow and i think as you can tell things worked out and uh, if you come to see the show in uh fort collins i don't think you'll be able to tell the difference from the way yako used to sing because they're they're still paying me to do it <laughs> and uh they can hire whomever they want so i uh, i've got a, a it is a, an incredible gift from the obvious reasons, but to be able to do it and continue to work and have people hire me, and many of them hired me and never knew that uh, I had gone through this and just said, why are you so skinny? And when I tell them I lost 50 pounds because of my cancer treatment, they say, cancer treatment? My God, we didn't know, and that was precisely because I didn't tell anybody. There was no need for me to do that. I don't want the sympathy. I just had to put my head down and go through it. And um, it took a few months, and I was kind of out of commission for about a half a year or so. But the uh, the biggest acknowledgement and the, the, the largest uh, um, sort of gratitude to the doctors goes to the into the fact that people couldn't tell the difference. And how how lucky am I? And I mean, uh, one, your, your attitude's inspiring. But two, we're we're all um, as fans of yours, extremely thankful that you you get to continue doing this, and we get to see oh, you thanks, um, both. Um, continue on 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 television and film, and also be able to see you live doing shows like Animaniacs in concert. And so, as we, it is uh, it is a huge gift, and I, and I can't. I, I I've always been a pretty positive guy, and the things that I'm talking about now, with the exception of my you know uh, my practical experience with cancer, I would have, you'd have heard the same type of effusive. Uh, positive vibe that's just the cut of my jib um, but I have to say the experience with cancer has given me an, an incredibly uh, deeper much deeper sense of empathy now and so when I run into people who are struggling with significant health issues not unlike my own or, or worse um, I, I can say to them I get it and I, I think that I can be helpful and I can people many people help me deal with it and so now I think I can pay that forward. And, and when I say, man, I, I get what it's like. I understand the pain. I understand the, the, the fright. I really do. And uh, it's not just lip service. And, and so I'm really, really grateful to be in the position to, to hopefully help folks um, get through their own struggles. And um, as we come up on time here, um, I always um, I like to, especially with um, with actors and other uh, professionals with with um, careers like yours, uh, such a um, s so many kind of roles and things like that. Um, 
it might be like um, choosing a favorite child, but um, do you have any, I mean, obviously, um, um, any ma any maniacs, um, um, and especially obviously Yakko, and um, other other characters helped um, have I guess a little more um, um, attention than than others. But do you have any kind of favorites or maybe unexpected um, um, mem unexpectedly good memories from some of the roles that? Um, or even if you if you're willing to um, get on that plank, any truly favorite roles that you have that you can think back to? I do, and if we can pause just for a moment, this lovely gentleman has gotten me to my airport. Okay. And let me just let me just step out, and uh, I will finish our conversation because I've got plenty of time. But I just I just don't want to be speaking when I have to open the car door. Okay. No problem at all. So just get just hang on just a moment, and I'll be right back. Okay, great. Thanks. So we're right back with Rob. Uh, we'll play a couple songs and um, we'll continue with the interview here on Radio 1190. And we're back with Rob here. And so, um, yeah, so yeah, if, if you don't mind speaking about your okay. favorite role, that would be wonderful. Yeah, no, I, you know, the, the, it's my standard answer, and it's the truth, is my favorite character is the next one because it means I'm working. And uh, as much work as I've done, thousands of hours cartoons and commercials and movies and all that i i love to work and i take none of it for granted and again i'm not a i'm not a movie star i'm a journeyman actor and proud to be such and so i'm just looking forward to the next wonderful opportunity however if uh if right at this moment everybody said but you're done you got to make a decision it's pretty tough not not to go for pinky i really like pinky <laughs> um because you do that. All I have to do is say, Narf, and you do that. You do what you're doing right now. <laughs> and um, which hopefully is not throwing up. It's probably laughing, which is exactly what I'm hoping for. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and, and working with Maurice LaMarche, the great two-time primetime Emmy-winning Maurice LaMarche, um, it, it's just, it just doesn't get any better. On the other, other hand, yeah, that was pretty cool, too, because you get to sing all these great songs and work with Tress McNeil and Jess Harnell and Randy's music. and So uh, you are certainly talking to a lottery winner, my friend. I, I, uh, I know how incredibly fortunate I am, and I don't take a lick of it for granted, certainly not after the cancer thing. Uh, but um, I have had an embarrassment of riches in my life, and uh, I am looking forward to doing a whole lot more of it. Um, but... Uh, the opportunity to do what you and I are doing and and share my story, but moreover, uh, share similar experiences with you know people on on the the uh, um, audience side of the equation. I, I I really I feel like we're so all in this together, you know, and and to be able to do something that generates so much happiness on your side, audience, and my side, performer, is an incalculable gift. To me, and I hope it is to the folks on on that side. Because man, I I can't imagine going through life doing anything that uh, is much more fun than this. So thank you for taking the time to chat with me. No, and, th and thank you very much for for your time. Um, this this has been an absolute joy, and and I appreciate um, as, as you're traveling, um, being willing to take the the time out to talk to us. 
Um, oh, of course. And um, just to remind our audience, Animaniacs in concert will um, be at Lincoln Center um, up in Fort Collins. Starts at 7.30. Um, you can get tickets at lctix.com. We'll post all that information on our social media. Um, and um, But Rob, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, safe travels out here. Um, at least it's not snowing right now. Um, it looks like you'll, you'll get some nice weather aside from the temperature. Great, buddy. But um, again, oh, sorry, go it, ahead. It, it's been my pleasure. And for those of you who'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Yakko Pinky, all lowercase, one word, Y-A-K-K-L-P-I-N-K-Y. <laughs> and uh, on Instagram, Rob underscore Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N. And uh, Rob Paulson, voice actor on Facebook and uh, AnimaniacsLive.com or AnimaniacsInConcert.com. And you can find out other tour dates and lots of cool stuff. And uh, thank you, my friend. And we'll see you in the water tower. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and again, um, we'll be replaying this tomorrow at um at 8 a.m um just to give everyone a chance in case you came in later but um otherwise um rob thank you again and um no, we'll no. look forward to seeing you up in fort collins okay buddy thank you so very much for your kind words and i look forward to seeing you great thanks a lot and then okay. um yeah have a great trip thanks pal bye-bye and um, again, we'll get back to the music here on Radio 1190, 1190 AM, 98.9 FM here in Boulder.